When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Banks of the Raritan Podcast, presented by the Fans First Sports Network. We are back here on the Banks of the Raritan Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Greg Petuto, here with Matt Forno. Rutgers is 2-0, going into another winnable game against Virginia Tech, a game that their the lines jumped all the way up. To, to seven points, Rutgers being a seven-point favorite in this game. I don't think any of us could have ever expected to say that over a team like Virginia Tech, but the tides seem to be turning. We'll obviously get into that more as uh, we talk about our best bets later in the, this episode of the podcast. But, Matt, three games. Rutgers is a favorite uh, of seven or more points in all of them. Has a chance to be 3-0 and going going to Michigan. I mean, this is this feels like uncharted territory a little bit. Pinch me. Definitely pinch me. Don't does it's you know, I, I think that even if Rutgers does get by these three games, three and covering all those games, fans are gonna be feeling confident. I'm gonna be feeling confident, but then we're certainly gonna get a, a much bigger picture once we get to Michigan. So interested to see what happens after Virginia Tech. The team needs to win this game in order for this momentum to continue. But you know, if you're like me, I'm just trying to survive right now. After finding out that Aaron Rodgers is done for the year as a Jets as a Jets fan, I know this is a Rutgers podcast, but I have to have a quick therapy session, you know. Uh the, this is football team. People get banged up. It seems like Virginia Tech's getting banged up. And honestly, mentally, I'm getting banged up right now with, with the news of Aaron Rodgers. But in any case, this is a Rutgers podcast. Just needed to get that out there. Uh, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll obviously do a lot more of a deep dive into Virginia Tech. But on the topic of injuries, that's a that's an issue facing them. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Absolutely. And Rutgers, if they're able to pull this one out, be 3-0. A lot of people expect them to be. A lot of them wanted them to be 3-0, obviously going into that Michigan game. 
this has been a swing game of mine since the schedule came out all those months ago. And the thing I love about Rutgers fans and running the, the On the Bank site and, and seeing all the comments and, and discussing it with people is Rutgers fans, they're a hopeful bunch. They're prideful. They love their Scarlet Knights, but they're also realistic. That's what makes it a lot of fun. And, you know, being 3-0, and there's going to be plenty of hope. They can't expect too much respect, too much attention because, again, they have to do it. But at the end of the day, you can only play who's on your schedule and you don't get – you don't lose credit and you don't get discredited for victories, especially with the way Rutgers is winning games now. And that's showing a competent offense and showing a dominant defense, which they have a chance to do again on Saturday against, like you mentioned, Matt, a banged-up Virginia Tech team. So we'll dive into that first, talking about the injury report, because it's a big one, and it's something that Greg Schiano was asked about. Obviously, he's not going to say much about it, take too much into account, because you still got to beat the team that's on the field. But we're talking about a Hokie team that's down their starting tight end, down one of their top receivers, their starting quarterbacks banged up. There's a lot of important people on this team, safety, Nasir Peoples, a lot of important players on that Virginia Tech team not expected to go on Saturday. Yeah, um, before I jump into Virginia Tech, when I'm looking at this schedule uh, and where the team is, you know, the last two years starting 3-0, but this year to start 3-0, including in that we have two wins against Power 5 conference teams. Now I know Northwestern, I mean, they had a good game last week. They they clearly didn't look like they were the worst team in the Power 5 based on that that performance alone. Then you have Virginia Tech, who, you know, is 1-1 right now, but just for Rutgers, a team that people always look at as, oh, this is one of the worst teams in the Power Five, blah, blah, blah. If they can, for the last three years, go 3-0, and in each of those three seasons, it includes a Power Five win, one on the road and I think, no, we won on the road in Syracuse, one on the road in Boston College. And then if we can beat uh, Virginia Tech, that would be three straight ACC wins, which I think is awesome. I think that that proves that, you know, hey, yeah, people are always like, oh, Rutgers makes more sense in the ACC. But I think if when you look at Rutgers right now, from a holistic standpoint, academics, athletics, where we are, I love being in the Big Ten, and I want to continue to show improvement, and I think that's what this team's doing now. But, yeah, um, Virginia Tech certainly banged up. Another guy that I don't – I kept I'm forgetting his name on the defensive line, and I do think this will be probably the most talented team, uh, definitely the best edge rushers that we faced, I think, this year. But, one, you know, one of their best edge rushers is injured. So – I don't like to – I'm obviously not rooting for injury in the previous games, previous seasons when I've seen injuries or a team with a, you know, a backup quarterback in. One that comes to mind is uh, Illinois a couple of years ago at home. Isaiah Williams was playing at quarterback, and what happens? You know, we, we end up losing. It's not much of a game. So I never like to think, oh, just because a team's injured, it's going to be an easy win. No, Rutgers still needs to control themselves. But that's, that's one thing that they've done well these last two games is – controlled themselves and not make self error or self-destructive mistakes that could hurt them. It haven't ha- hasn't happened much. Obviously there's been two turnovers, but fluky situations, but in any case, Rutgers does what it does. I think we're happy at the end of Saturday. Absolutely. It's all about shooting themselves in the foot in this game, whether it be turnovers or the penalty problems that we've seen in previous years that we haven't seen thus far. So again, credit to the coaching staff, which we talked about after that Temple game for cleaning up the penalties a little bit on both sides of the ball. Because this Virginia Tech team, again, Rutgers being a touchdown favorite in this game at home, it's a really good matchup right now for Rutgers. And that goes beyond the injuries when you look at Virginia Tech over the course of two weeks, struggling to run the ball, defense can't get off the field there's a lot of things that work in Rutgers favor and I want to start the the ground game for Virginia Tech 
Rutgers hasn't given up anything on the ground over the first two weeks. I believe Virginia Tech ran for something like 11 yards against Purdue. So if Rutgers does this again, perform how they've been up front, make Virginia Tech a one-dimensional team, especially with the quarterback banged up, so either facing a backup or somebody who's who's nicked up, I mean, you're turning this team one-dimensional, and that gives you a huge leg up already. Yeah, we saw what Rutgers has done against Northwestern, limited them to, like, what, 12 yards on the ground? 12 yards. Uh, Temple, I think, was 68. And what have we done? Conversely, we've ran the ball well. So that's that's just a winning recipe right there. That's how you win football games. If you're limiting a team on the ground, forcing them to be one-dimensional, while you have the opportunity to run the ball and have, and also pass the ball with a balanced attack on offense, it's worked for Rutgers. I mean, the framework the, is right there. It's laid out. We've, sh- we've pretty much detailed how we're going to be winning games this season uh, by playing great defense, but keeping them on the sideline while our offense controls the ball. So, yeah, Virginia Tech, obviously, week one at home, they played – Old Dominion, they rushed for 109 yards. I guess, to be completely honest, against a team like, I know they won the game, they, they won 36-17, they almost they passed for over 250 yards, but to barely run for over 100 yards against a team like ODU, that's 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 a red flag for me. And then, like you said, I, it was, what, 12 yards against Purdue, obviously a better team, still at home, but it was it was bad weather conditions. So you would have expected, I mean, Purdue went with the ran the ball for 179 yards and Old Dominion ran for 201. So those are two teams that I, obviously Purdue is a physical team. They've always been a physical team, but for, I mean, that's just bad. In, in a poor weather game, 11 yards is just not good. And speaking about the weather, I watched, I tried to watch this game. It was, if you would have literally need to have booked your whole Saturday, if you wanted to watch it all, cause it started, it finished or it started, it paused, it started, it paused, probably took eight hours. But in the, I actually think if the game were to continue from start to finish without any weather delays, I think it would have voted worse for Virginia Tech because Purdue was really, really driving the ball really well. And Virginia Tech, within that first uh, time where they were playing, lo- already lost their starting wide receiver. So I think that the fact that they had, you know, I don't know, I've, I've played in a couple of football games where there's been weather delays. It's difficult to just get back out there and start start all over again. Um, and Virginia Tech, I think, benefited from that, and hopefully that's not the case with Rutgers. Hopefully the weather keeps uh, it stays clear, but I think if it were to have started, you know, all 60 minutes go go at once without any pauses, I think this game would have been much more lopsided and produced favor. So I think that helped them. Obviously, I can't prove that, but just based off of how the game started for Purdue, they went down, they went right down the field, ran the ball, passed the ball well, and, and didn't didn't really see much pressure uh, from, from Virginia Tech on defense. So hopefully we can do that as well. We've shown early success in games. That's exactly what Rutgers is going to need to continue to do, especially against this team. I agree with that game last week, too. If that weather delay isn't there, that could be much more of a lopsided score. And it's interesting you bring up the Old Dominion game from week one because not only did Virginia Tech rush for only 109 yards, but they gave up 201 on the ground. And that's a weird stat to see when you think about winning a game 36-17. But Old Dominion rushed for 201 yards, still lost the time of possession battle, which is also interesting, figuring you're running that much and running effectively, you're going to win that battle. But that's that's an alarming number if you're Virginia Tech. That's something that plagued them last year. It plagued them early on this season. And with the way Rutgers is rolling on the ground, that's not something that they want to see coming in. We've we had the uh, the Kyle Manungai show on Tuesday because of what he's been able to do. But th- this backfield as a whole for Rutgers was a strength coming in. And, I mean, against a team like this, even with a couple injuries along the offensive line, I mean, Rutgers should be licking their chops. It, it seems like they can 
implement the exact same game plan that they've been and and take control of this matchup. Yeah, we're talking a lot about the running game, and it is definitely a struggle for Virginia Tech, which the statistics just show. It's not just like we're making this up. But if you were to, similar to how Penn State fans just don't like James Franklin, they, they want a new guy right now. Virginia Tech fans, and, and since last season, have a lot, I think, have a lot more substance to, to back their feelings towards Grant Wells, their quarterback. He's, he can throw the ball. He's got, he's got a tremendous arm. He has a lot of talent. There's no question about that. But it seems as though, I mean, the performance against Purdue was not good. Threw for two touchdowns, but he also threw for two interceptions. That's probably what cost Virginia Tech the game at the end of the day. Uh, and what benefited them against Old Dominion is they forced three turnovers, one interception and two fumbles. So if Virginia Tech isn't going to be winning the turnover battle, I'm not sure how well this team is going to compete and be able to establish success on offense. Now, speaking about Grant Wells, the fans online are not happy about with him. It seems as though he is the perfect example of possibly missing in the transfer portal because I think they got him from Marshall. I'm not, I can't remember exactly where he transferred. It's a, I think it was a green team. I feel like it was either North Texas or Marshall. Can't remember which one came in. And ever since that week one game last year where they lost to uh, ODU on the road, fans were like, uh oh, did we make a mistake here? So, you know, we don't know if he's going to be playing. I, I think he'll be suited up no matter what. Will he start? I don't know due to injury. I don't think you bench him just yet, in my opinion. But then they do have Kyron Drones transfer from Baylor, who's who could be provide a spark in the running game at the quarterback position because he is very mobile, which Rutgers really hasn't faced this year, which does actually worry me a little bit. But if there's one thing that Rutgers has done well to ease my nerve is just play tremendously on defense. So if there's a scrambling quarterback, if it gets past the defensive line, you know, I, I trust Deion Jennings and Tyreen Powell to, to be able to contain him. So definitely something to monitor. I don't know if we're going to get that answer until Saturday, but there's certainly issues along within the offense, specifically in the quarterback room for the Hokies. I feel like, too, that's another area where, where we talk, we've been talking about coaching and adjustments and game plan that they've come in with, especially defensively. Knowing that Grant Wells is banged up, might not play, Rutgers has to have a, kind of a – they have to have multiple thoughts going on here to see who they're going to play. So it would be irresponsible of them to just game plan for Wells, especially if he's banged up. But with what we've seen of the coaching, especially, like I said, defensively, you got to trust that they're going to game plan for that running quarterback. And they have the personnel at linebacker. That's the key when you look up plugging holes and even putting a spy on the running quarterback. They have the talent and the depth at linebacker. So it would be interesting to see who goes. And like you said, I, that seems like a situation where Virginia Tech won't make an announcement before the injury report comes out on Saturday. So, And, and we know Greg Schiano's not going to do the same. It's funny, he was asked about the injuries along the offensive line, and he said in his press conference on Monday that he's not saying he's not releasing anything unless it's a season-ending injury. So basically it's going to be week to week, and that's just, I mean, typical Greg Schiano. I guess we have to just be happy. We just have to be happy he named a quarterback uh, during media days and didn't wait until the opening week there. But uh, So I guess uh, as of now it's not season-ending to to Tyler Needham, but he's not trending in the right way, we should say. Basically that's what I got from Schiano's comments, which it, it hurts, but again, there's bodies on this team really across the board. Yeah. Uh, and I know that we talked about it a lot in the, and to shift it, to shift it to Rutgers for a bit. I know we talked about the offensive line. We need, you know, a set five that come out and play each game. Yeah, I agree. 
but what this team has just shown is there's just depth. That it may not be elite depth. You may not have an, uh, a spot or eight different starters across the offensive line, but you have guys who can come in and fill the gap if Tyler Needham is not out for the year, which is you not every not every team even professionally has that type of luxury. I'm not saying these guys are studs or they're they're terrible, but they're capable of playing, and we're not going to be able to have to revamp the entire offense or specifically like what we've done in, in the past is move players along the offensive line. I think guys who play tackle will be playing tackle and, and so and so forth for all the other positions. That's that's a plus in my opinion. You're only having to worry about if you're a right tackle playing right tackle, which is the case in, 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 with this week with Tyler Needham, probably I'm going to assume not playing. I don't know what the injury was. It certainly was his leg, but you get on the cart. It was, it looked pretty bad, but it clearly is not season ending, at, le- at least as of right now. So, but going back to just Greg Shano and coaching in general, just talking about the coaching for both sides of the ball, there's an interesting connection between Kirk Sriracha and Brent Pry, the head coach of Virginia Tech. They were both a coordinators, defensive and offensive, at Penn State at the same time. And those were, they've had success there. Now, I don't know if that gives either one the advantage, but they clearly know the type of type of football game they want want to happen on the field at least defensively and offensively so it's going to be interesting to see what that does for us I think in my opinion based off of our defense it gives us the advantage just the way we will play on on defense compared to their offense and Virginia Tech teams have been able to score points against them so I I mean Brent Pry obviously is the head coach but a defensive minded head coach I don't know how much that's going to matter against a team like Rutgers that has just been able to do what they need to do. I'm not going to say what they want to do, but what they need to do, they've been able to accomplish through weeks or through the first two weeks. And I think this is, again, like I meant, I think I mentioned on the, the last podcast or another thing I was on is, you know, we've, it's kind of like a video game. We, we started at level one against Northwestern. Now we're on to level two against our temple. And then now we're on to level three, a harder challenge, I think against Virginia tech, another power five team. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this game plays out. But I always look to the coaching. I I trust the coaches. I really think they've done a great job. And who knows, maybe we'll even have Marquise Watson back on the sideline. Obviously, the unit has played great without him, but I would like him there. And hopefully, we'll be able to see him there uh, Saturday at 3.30 because he's always a fun presence on the sideline. That's credit to just what Shiano did, too, within the coaching staff. There was so much change-up, so much um, turnover, people going to to coach new positions. Obviously, Kirk Soraka being brought in. And right now, looking like he's worth the money just from a play calling aspect, because he did he did get a ton of money from this team, and that's what fans were worried about. Is he going to be the guy to groom this young quarterback? Can he, even though it's something he's done before, can he do it at Rutgers, which again has been the ultimate struggle? So the coaching matchup right now, I feel confident in Greg Schiano and his staff, and that's not something that we've been able to say consistently over the past three years that Shiano's been here. So it feels good to kind of say that and trust him coming in. And I agree, this is like that third level of the non-conference schedule because, again, there's only one more. It's Wagner, one of the worst programs you'll see in the country. That's going to be, you know, that's going to be just a fun day for fans to celebrate, see some backups in the game maybe in that second half. So this is really the test for them. And not saying Virginia Tech is, you know, Clemson or, or Alabama or anybody coming in. I mean, I don't even know if they're Boston College. You know, we don't know what this Virginia Tech program is right now. They're very low. Rutgers is obviously expected to win the game. They're a seven-point favorite. 
But this is more of a, a reputation game, in my opinion. When you hear the name Virginia Tech, or when you see it on the schedule, especially at home, you got to win this game. It, it's something that'll definitely put the country on notice a little more, again, because you're beating a team like Virginia Tech, not a Temple or a Northwestern that was in all this turmoil. This is an important game, both on the field for their record, for their confidence, to make sure they're still playing at the high level that they are, but also off the field to kind of build this reputation up a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's it's trying to th- remember the last time, I guess, you know, there was Washington. I'm just thinking of other home games that Rutgers has hosted against other Power 5 teams outside of the Big Ten, obviously. I know that there was Washington. I'm trying to think who else has came to town. There hasn't been like – and I guess what's more interesting about this, I guess Boston College a couple years ago, uh, we lost that game. But – what was what's been interesting about this game is it is a big big east there's big east uh, storylines that follow up and and I think Greg Schiano mentioned in his press conference that when he was a coach at Rutgers and that was when Virginia Tech was at their height uh, they we, I don't think he ever beat him so this is no. an interesting story no I this think is Rutgers, an, I think they've lost twelve in a row or something like that yeah like Virginia Tech when Rutgers was playing them in the Big East was a powerhouse was a tremendous team and I think. Uh, you know, like when you think about the Big East during those years, you were dealing with Virginia Tech, Miami, some really, really, really good schools when Rutgers was probably at their worst. So this is, a, again, like we said, this is a good brand that's come. I still think Virginia Tech, obviously they got to figure it out, but they are a good brand that people look at like, oh, Virginia Tech. They know what that is. They think football when they think Virginia Tech. Uh, and it's been a couple of years since they've been to where they were, but... People also think Rutgers. Oh, this is Rutgers. Like, I'm sure if you look at any betting site, whenever you're curious of what the predictions are, I don't think I have seen any te- any site, uh, you know, third party that's been like, oh, you should take uh, Rutgers, you know, giving the points. Like, they, I just haven't seen it. If anything, it's the under or the the, the underdog getting, getting the points in these sites. And honestly, I guess that's where we want to be as Rutgers fans. We want people to continue to look at us as an under-the-radar team or just the team that we once were. This has been a huge year for them. Uh, but yeah, a team like Virginia Tech coming into town, expect there to be a lot of away fans there. Uh, I know that I'll be with about 20 of them, so that that's for sure. Uh, but it, it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And again, I think this will give Rutgers fans more to cheer for. It should be fun. I'm really, really intrigued to see what the the fan turnout will be. I'm thinking it's probably going to be the best of the three games. It's not a noon game, which can be tough to get to, and it's not a rain, you know, a rainy, crappy day uh, Saturday night like last past game against Temple. It's going to be middle of the day, three thirty. You can get there whenever you want. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm really excited for it, I'm, and I'm expecting the students to do exactly what they've done the last two games. And I think that's been a true, true factor for the team. Absolutely. It's been impressive to see that because that's that's another thing that hasn't been you know so prevalent over the past couple of years is that student section. It's starting to fill up, and you're right. There's something different about that 3.30 game, maybe because – you could get there in the morning and your tailgate's longer. That's definitely a factor. You know, you get there at 8, 8 a.m., whatever you want for a, for a noon kickoff. You only got a few hours to do what you got to do. Now you get that extended time. But it, it feels good that – I should say it doesn't feel good. It's You're right in the fact that Rutgers fans don't mind being that underdog. People kind of overlooking them for now until they earn it. Also feels good that the team is expected to win a game. Like I said, just seeing Rutgers as a seven-point favorite over – whether people take them or not, clearly yeah. they are because the Lions moved up a couple points, so people are on Rutgers somewhere. Seeing them as as that touchdown favorite over a team like Virginia Tech, 
it's exciting. It's it's showing that things are moving in the right direction, and this would this would be a win that kind of propels it even further. And I know we touched on it briefly, but the turnover battle is something. You know, it's it's I believe in the play calling over the first two games. Gavin looks really really comfortable. I've said that multiple times, so hopefully he looks like that again. You know, I, I don't want to sit here and kind of wait for the game that everything blows up. You know, whether it be fumbles or Gavin start throwing picks or you know, play call, calling blunders or anything. So hopefully that's not on Saturday. I'm not going to sit here and, and wait for it or say it's going to happen. But if they win this turnover battle and they run the ball like they've been, I, I see Rutgers winning this game. I really do. I think the only way that it gets dicey again is if they start shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've really – you do haven't. I have. I've overlooked it, the fact that it's been – it may have went up to seven against Northwestern, but I think it opened there at seven. And then you were, uh, yep. Temple was seven or, or up to eight and a half, I think. I think it was started at 10 and went down to eight and a half regardless, more than a touchdown. Yeah, and people then, started jumping on Temple late there. Yeah, and then this game, the fact that it's at seven, when is when is the last time Rutgers reached favored three three straight games in a row by a touchdown? That, that's, that, that was not a thought in my mind. I think the, I'm trying to think, I think last year, we were like 17 point favorites against Temple. And that was like, you know, we were coming off of, uh, I think the Wagner game where we won like 66, whatever. Uh, so we haven't, we, we haven't had a performance like that where it's been that lopsided, but we're clearly doing something right where I don't think Vegas makes lines to bait people. Now it does happen. Don't get me wrong. It's like a trap. There are trap lines. Everybody thought it was going to be Colorado this past weekend, which it was not. Uh, but I also don't think I think Vegas knows what they're doing. You know, we don't, it's definitely not where you want to go to figure out who's going to win. But clearly, we are a favorite in this game, and it's not just like because we're home dogs. It started at three, which is kind of how you always look at with football. If if, if you're going to start with the betting line, the home team's going to get three or give three points, and then from there you kind of build the line. I think. But one thing I think that's a little surprising is right now the over unders at 30, 39 and a half. Uh, I mean, I'm excited to go to this game, but it would be cool to see a lot of scoring or some scoring, some excitement. But this is, I don't remember what it was for Temple. I think it was around 40. 44, and, I think it ended. Yeah, and then and then Northwestern was around this. I uh, don't think we've covered those overs yet. But in any case, uh, it's just fun to know that, let's see, we, I guess the over... Well, it would have been if it was 44, it wouldn't have hit last week. And then, of course, it was 31 against Northwestern. So, yeah, maybe maybe the under is something to look at. But that's a testament to Rutgers defense. I don't think it's a problem with the offense. They're scoring points. I mean, we're not we're not a team where we're going to be scoring 50 points a game. It's just not going to happen, even if we had the guys, with the, how Kurt Sriracha coaches this team. So, yeah, I'm excited for it. I mean, it's very cool to be favored by a touchdown. It makes it certainly doesn't make me feel comfortable taking that line, but it's. I think they deserve it. I think they definitely earned that right to to be a a one score favorite for sure. I agree, and Vegas knows more than we do. You know, they're that that line's there for a reason, and that's how that's how I certainly bet my games anyway. You never go against Vegas if there's something that seems off about a line, then something is off, and you trust Vegas there. But in terms of this game, I wouldn't even say it's it's they have to win this game. I think I wouldn't call it a must win in terms of a pro a program aspect because again this isn't a team that's just going to throw their hats on the field and and beat a team right they're not they're not a perfect team they're they're an imperfect team right now trying to get to that level trying to become you know competent and consistent that's fair to say i think this year 
So it's must win in the fact of if they want to get to six in a bowl game, because if they lose one, that path to six is very, very questionable. I think then you're looking at, you know, then you have to beat Michigan State to get to five even when looking at the rest of the schedule. But it will be an interesting game and an entertaining game to see if they can take down a team like this. And like you mentioned, they've done it in the past when you look at the Syracuse win, the Boston College win. They've had games like this, and this is home. So will they come out and play with that same level? Will the defense be on top of their game once again? And, you know, I'll go on a, I'll make a bold prediction and say that Virginia Tech's going to score more than seven points. Not saying they're going to score 40, but I think they, I think they get into double digits for the first time. But this will, uh, this will be their biggest test so far to date, obviously. And if they come away three and oh, I think Rutgers is, Rutgers and their fans should be very, very happy going to Michigan. Yeah, I would say, is this a lock of a win? Absolutely not. I don't think any, I'm not going to let any win except for Wagner, I guess, is as a, it's a lock of yeah, a victory. Yeah, that would be just – you can't yeah. have a program at that point. Correct. Now, my point, though, I'm trying to make is that the only way I think fans can come away from this game having doubt is, like we said, if we start – if Gavin's throwing multiple picks or maybe just one pick that's really bad in yep. a bad, yep. bad situation. Those are the those are the things. And, and, and for – if somehow the defense just – stops playing like they've been playing. And I think that obviously we want to see sacks, we want to see turnovers, but the number one thing I really feel like this team has done is they're making their tackles. And it's solo tackles. Now, there's been times where they've missed them, but there hasn't been necessarily a play that the defense has shot themselves in the foot. I would say there was kind of one last week against Temple. I think Eric Rogers was guarding, I think, number 80 on Temple, which set them up. Uh, right at the goal line, he kind of slipped. Like those are the type of plays where Rutgers could find themselves in trouble if the, if the, if they allow for those type of silly mistakes to happen. Now you're going to trip, you're going to you're going to slip, you're going to miss a tackle, but keeping it limited, I think, is important. And they've shown that they're going to be doing that f- throughout the first two games. So the defense makes me very very comfortable that if the offense somehow just finds itself in a bad situation, that we can rely on the defense. But we've relied on the offense the past two games. And I think the type of plays that Kurt Sriracha has been calling, they're safe plays. Maybe we're going to open up the playbook this week. I'm not sure because, again, if Rutgers comes out of this game 3-0, and another dominant win, you're going to go into Ann Arbor saying, hey, why not us? Why not us? Maybe they're saving it, saving something for that. I don't know if that goes into the mind of coaches. Probably not because that you, your goal is to win the game, and it's not about how you win the game. It's just win the game. So hopefully Rutgers can just do what they've done. I know they started the game against Temple with a turnover, with like a fumble, but they were driving. The offense was doing its job after the defense forced a three and out. So that's just – we know the recipe. Just follow the recipe and cook dinner, eat it, and then we'll go home and we'll be really happy. That's what Rutgers needs to do. So they controlled it. They proved what they need to do to win, and I just can't wait to watch them play on Saturday. That was going to be the exact next thing that I said. I'm curious when this offense kind of opens it up a bit. You know, I love yeah. the identity that they've created. It's something we saw last year, and it's working again this year. Me, you know, being grounded, pound, run the ball, play some defense. And I personally love watching that brand of football. I love when, yep. you know, teams just battle in the trenches. The dominant one comes out victorious. It's been Rutgers over the first two weeks. I'm curious if this is the game or or not because, like I it said, like I it said in the opening, it – this matchup plays right into what Rutgers has been doing over the first two weeks, running the ball, playing defense, taking care of the football. So they might not need to open it up in this one. And 
that's not really necessarily the worst thing over three games. Yeah, I mean, if if anything, we know what teams in the Big Ten are able to do. So there, 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 there's there's teams that are more talented, that have more explosive players, maybe even better coaches. But in the matchup like this, I think Rutgers does have some position advantages and coaching advantages, and of course, a home field advantage. That all of those things matter in football. I think the fans can have an impact, and of course, the coaches and the players are going to have the biggest impact. And I can't wait to know if. Yeah, one thing I've noted when it comes to both the offense and the defense is the first two games, different players have stood up and made. I mean, it's been Kyle Manunga has been the the, the bedrock on on offense, that's for sure. But I don't think anybody was expecting that coming into the season. Obviously, you have Gavin, but the offense has pretty much ran through Kyle Manungai and the running backs so far. But then I look at the defense. The first, the first game, you had you had different guys standing up. You had two, the two corners get an interception. Multiple guys get sacks. And then this this past game, two different guys get interceptions. A safety getting a sack. A lot of tackles for a loss. Jordan Thompson getting an interception. It's been different guys stepping up and making different plays, impactful plays. That's what I find is so encouraging. We want to see, obviously, maybe the playbook open up. But that deep ball to Jaquay Jackson by Gavin was, like, for me, the perfect taste of, hey, we can do this stuff if the situation aligns correctly and our guys get separation. We have the talent. The passive protection has been there. Hasn't been perfect, but it's been there. Uh, and Virginia Tech is going to be that next step. Hey, if you can do it again against this team, let's continue to turn the page and maybe we can show some more. So this, if this game ends up being a little bit closer than we'd like, I think we're obviously going to have to try something new. But that's up to Rutgers. Rutgers can control if it's going to be a close game or not, which I think is the best thing about this matchup. Yeah, the in terms of seeing what Gavin can do, that deep ball, obviously, we talked a couple weeks ago about the throw he made on fourth down going to his left um, obviously, and then the touchdown throw to Ian Strong in the back corner. It was a great catch. Obviously, they got on top plays on the ESPN, but it was a perfect ball that only his receiver could get to. So the guy's got the arm talent. He's got the, he, he looks like he's making the right decision so far over the first two. And that's kind of smart, too, for Kirk Sirocco, not asking him to do too much, not putting him in a position to fail, because at the end of the day, you can only coach what you have. And that's when coaches get themselves in trouble and the teams get in trouble when they put their players in a position that they're uncomfortable, they're trying to do too much. That's where turnovers happen. That's where fumbles happen. People are out of position, penalties. None of that has plagued Rutgers yet. So hopefully it's not this week. But again, the matchup is is very, very good for Rutgers. I think Vegas obviously saw that. I think the fans know it. The players have to know it. And I, I think Greg Shiano would tell you in the back of his head, you know, putting truth serum on him. He knows that this is a good matchup, and if they keep doing what they're doing, they can come away three and zero. Yeah, I, I, and that's another thing we talk about. Greg Schiano is like uh, he was fired up against Temple on the sideline. Like it was very good to see because oh, yeah. the press conferences have been very much so much the same. He's so calm. He's he's you know not giving too much information, but it's it's just it was nice to see that that type of passion on the sideline. He's that that's the type of coach he is. And I'm, I'm excited to see what, what he brings, how he's motivating the guys this week. Because, again, like, they've, they've, earned, they've earned the right to be where they are. And I also don't think maybe the fans are the ones that are feeling confident. But I haven't felt the team has came out 
and felt like they need they, they don't need to do enough to win. Like they're playing as hard as they can on every single play, and I think that's again a credit to to, to the way Greg Schiano coaches his guys. It's this it's the simple way of saying chop. He, these guys are chopping on every play, and I'm excited to see them do that against Virginia Tech. Absolutely, that's kind of what I've been saying. They're not good enough to just throw their throw the helmets on the field and come away with a win again against Wagner. That's different against a team like Virginia Tech. Even against a team like Temple, they had to battle in that game. You know, Virginia Tech, um, Northwestern, they had to battle in that game a little bit, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball to really keep to really keep control. It's going to be that way again against Virginia Tech. They have to come out, punch them in the mouth early, take control, don't fall behind, don't turn the ball over, and just ground and pound this team until you know into submission. And I hate to use previous games, but you know that's not a good Temple team that they just played. Obviously, a very strained game with the weather delays and all that. But like you mentioned, if there were no weather delays, it might have been even worse. You know, I feel like that helped Virginia Tech even, and they still couldn't come out on top. So yep. definitely a, a matchup that favors Rutgers. I think Vegas got it right. And again, that's something we're going to touch on more as we get into our best bets here moving forward. Definitely. Before we get into our best bets for week three around the college football slate, we're going to take a short break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And when you look at some of our bets, we're going to take, you know, obviously we have to make a pick in the Rutgers game. That's one of our six. We pick five outside of Rutgers, one Rutgers. I'll I'll start it off with diving into last week a little bit, looking at a quick rundown of what we had. I I currently sit at ten and five, two and zero in Rutgers matchups. Matt, one game better, eleven and four after a big week. Two and zero oh. in Rutgers matchups. I know I keep I keep them here every week, and we're going to keep a season a season running total of us. So. Eleven and four. Look at me. <laughs> Eleven and four. To- Twenty one and nine altogether. So, little advice if you're listening to us out there, maybe hop on board before it ends. So, with the, with the start that we've had, um, the Rutgers Temple under last week was my pick in the Rutgers game. Very dicey too. I had to sweat that out. They scored twenty three points in the fourth quarter to to make that one interesting. Um, Liberty minus 10.5, beat down New Mexico State. Like I said, very. that's one of the worst teams you'll see. Kansas minus 3, that was one we both had. Easy winner against Illinois. The Minnesota-Eastern Michigan under was a win. And then my two losses, Oklahoma came out flat on offense. Their team total did hit. And Alabama, obviously we saw what they did against Texas. Not, not great there. Matt, much better week, losing only that Virginia Tech-Purdue over 46 yeah. and a half, Which again, no weather delay. Who knows about that one? Yeah. And then the winners, Rutgers nine and a half, Kansas minus three. Colorado came out, whooped Nebraska. Notre Dame, same thing in that second half, especially, really blew that one open. And then the Wisconsin Washington State game that ended up going over. Terrible loss for Wisconsin, but yep. a lot of uh, turmoil in the Big Ten nonetheless. So we're going to hop into games this week. And Matt, I'll let you start it off since I've done a lot of talk and recapping last week. Give me your first one that's interesting. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking at two different sites. Uh, one is more offshore, so not official. 
they have um, the first game that caught my eye. And I just want to preface this by saying this is not a very exciting week three. Not there aren't all, that yeah. many great yeah, matchups. Matchup. I, I would argue that Rutgers Virginia Tech is honestly one of the better games on the slate. Uh, so I'm probably gonna have to make a pick there. But the first game, I always kind of like to look at the Friday games. Those are the games I like because you always get to. They're not necessarily standalone, but there's typically like one that's one that's good, and then some more group of five teams that are playing. But the one that caught my eye, and I guess I'm going to have to go with the line that FanDuel has because that's what more listeners would be using. Maryland at home against UVA, favored by 15 and a half. Now, the line yesterday was at 14 and a half, large line, but this is a UVA team that has lost back-to-back games, uh, looked better against JMU at home, and this was a team that was a six and a half point underdog against a group of five team at home, which is shocking in my opinion. But JMU came out hot. They were winning. UVA fought back, and they lost in the final seconds. Uh, But this is just a team, UVA, that's just not very good. I think that they're going to have to keep up with a high-powered Maryland offense who did show a little bit of, oh, what's going on here against Charlotte, I think. I don't think they ended up covering, but they did win by a wide margin. But what, what hurts Virginia is just their offense and their offensive line. So I'm going to have to go here with Maryland minus 15 and a half. It's a big line, but I do think that UVA could find it. I was also looking at the under, but I think UVA will be scoring any touchdown or two, which could hurt that. Uh, but Maryland, you know, at, again, at home, not much of a home field advantage, but I'm hoping fans seeing that they're 2-0, uh, coming in this game 2-0, Hopefully they show out on a Friday night. It could make a difference. But, yeah, my first pick would be Maryland minus 15 and a half, primarily because this is a game that I will end up watching rather than a lot of the other ones that I won't. But I do feel more comfortable taking or giving the points rather than taking them in this one. That's a that's a game, too. Maryland has to come out and really, again, impress. That was very, very bad, vanilla of them last week. They fell behind 14 nothing to a bad Charlotte team. Came back and won by 18. Didn't cover the spread, but just a terrible start from them. Um, my first pick here, we'll give them a we'll give a rundown again at the end of what we like, what we don't. And then, of course, our five picks plus the Rutgers. Memphis minus 14 on Thursday night against Navy. And that just comes down to Navy being a bad team this year. We saw what happened against Notre Dame the first game of the season. And then last week, we've kind of taken shots at Wagner here a couple times. They only beat Wagner 24-0. I don't think this is a team that could score the ball much. Memphis, on the other hand, has allowed just 17 points on the season, three last week on the road against Arkansas State. So Memphis hasn't been tested yet, but I'm not even sure that Navy is the best team they've played so far against, you know, three bad teams. So Memphis minus 14 on Thursday night is definitely one to look at. Yeah. Again, I like now that this is obviously butting up against the NFL, so I'm I'm typically less interested in the Thursday night one, but it made me feel a lot better because I know Memphis is a team I feel like that likes to score, that likes to run a high paced offense. It's tough to say what teams will be like year to year because in college, you know, these guys graduate. They or they go on to the NFL. So it's like you never know if it's gonna be the same team. But whenever I think Memphis, I do think high uh, high speed, high paced offense. So that's interesting there. Um a game that I think will probably end up being very lopsided is Florida State at Boston College. Boston College got through. I think they beat Holy Cross, but by the they may they might have lost. I don't even know. But it was so it was such a close game that they're just not a good team at all. Interesting to see what happens with Jeff Halfley there. Obviously, there's connections I think to Rutgers. Not saying there's much that we can do bringing him on, uh, but as a head coach there. 
you know, they're they're just not good. They're just not good. They're a team that deserves, in my opinion, as much. They, I think they're getting as much. But over the last couple of years, as much or more criticism than Rutgers has deserved because they're playing in a much weaker conference in a much weaker division, and they've done as bad or worse in the last three years as Rutgers. So it just frustrates me at times. But, you know, I'm looking at, not so much Florida State minus 26 and a half because that is a big spread, but I do think Florida State's able to score points very quickly. So I'm looking at the first half over or first half line minus 13 and a half. I think they can easily be up 14, 17, nothing, maybe 21, nothing at halftime. But, you know, when it gets to those up, upwards of almost four scores, it's just hard in, in, in football to, to keep those those lines covered. So look for the first half there in that one for Florida State. This won't be one of my five picks, but Tennessee – Minus six and a half in Florida is an interesting game because the swamp is typically a difficult place to go. But Florida's just not, they're not it this year. You know, Graham Mertz is not the guy anywhere he's gone over the course of his career. Tennessee obviously lost a lot from last year. The offense isn't as explosive, but they're still a top 15 team. Right now it's at six and a half. It's under that touchdown. I don't know. It's a game that's, very ugly. I was very confident in Utah week one going to Florida just because of last year and, you know, losing that game at home. Kind of a revenge spot for them. Even without Cam Rising, I like them a lot in that game. This one makes me a little more nervous, but if it stays at six and a half, I think Tennessee has a chance to win this game by a touchdown. Yeah, uh, I'd like to go with an, with an over here. Just to keep it, I always it's always fun betting it over because you know you don't care who wins. It's just give me points, give me all the points as much as you can. And one that comes to my mind is TCU at Houston, and part of that is because I think Houston just lost to not a good team, but they lost. It was like a sixty point over. Yeah, Houston's uh, down this year. Yeah, Houston's down. Still can score points, and then TCU obviously can score points also with not a great defense. And we're looking at the over right here at 63 and a half. It's obviously that's not, that's pretty high, uh, but there's, there's higher on the board this week, but I do think that's one that can hit and be a lot of fun to watch. You know, I don't expect a lot of defense to be played there, especially with TCU being on the road in Houston. I'm hoping that gives Houston like, Hey, they can score 14 or or 21 points. and Then TCU can do the rest because they were able to score against Colorado, which is definitely a better team than Houston. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But I like the over there, 63 and a half. How about Iowa being a 29-point favorite? I know that – I know they're playing Western Michigan, but I, I Iowa can't score 29 points. you got to score 29 to win by 29. I don't – that's – The thing is, though, the problem is when Iowa's playing teams that aren't good, their defense is capable of scoring or or being responsible for upwards of like 14 to 17 yeah, points. Yeah. Like they can do that. Right. But I agree with you. I do. They, that means their offense is going to have to score probably, we'll say 21 points. That is not a lock, especially they've only really shown anything offensively week one against, and they didn't cover against Utah state. Who's definitely not a good team. Yeah. They won by 10. So if, if, if you were, I don't know what pick you were going to go there, but there's no way I'm laying 28 and a half, uh, for Iowa there. No way. No, no chance. I, I don't even have a pick. I just I was just scrolling through and saw that line and couldn't believe it because, like you said, their defense is going to have to account for it. If you take a an Iowa spread that big or if you take a total, it's only 42.5, you're almost accounting for the defense scoring. You know, you're not going in confident that Iowa could score 30 points to cover that spread. I don't care if they're playing Western Michigan. Another, it, another – 
just to stay on that game for a second, though, like I'm surprised that this is a game with an over a, a total that's over 40 points. It's, I'm looking at 42 and a half right now. Like that, that to me is even more of a surprise. So you're telling me that uh, uh, Western Michigan is still going to score 14 points? Like it, I just, or maybe less. Like it just seems so strange. We're really relying on Iowa. I don't know the last time they scored 30 points. I truly don't. So it's just, it's just weird. But then again, we are not smarter than Vegas, so clearly they know something that we don't. But in any case, an interesting game. In the in the category of we're not smarter than Vegas is that Duke spread as well. I, I'm not going to yeah, make a yeah. pick in that game either. But you know, Duke minus eighteen and a half over Northwestern, and I know how bad Northwestern is, how bad they're going to be. That game against UTEP, throw that out the window. That was basically if if Northwestern didn't win that game, they were probably going zero and twelve. So they had yeah. to win that one. But are we ready to anoint Duke? I know they beat Clemson. Clemson might not be as good as we thought. Riley Leonard's a good quarterback. He could run a little bit, but 18 and, a, 18 and a half, I know the game's at Duke. That's a big number. I'm not going to pick anything in that side, but definitely something to keep an eye on at 3.30 if you if people want to take a chance out there. I'm not sure if I'm ready to you know, kind of pass the torch over to Duke just yet. Yeah, so I, I do. I am trying to bring back, and the only reason I'm saying this is because I talked about this game on it. I am trying to bring back my weekly like preview stream that I do live on YouTube. So if you're interested in that, just look up. I just changed the title to Chop Time uh, a- at AO Paisan on YouTube if you're interested. I did talk about this game. And what I think this game speaks more to is obviously Northwestern, not a good team. Duke, I'm going to say, solid team. You beat Clemson. You're a solid team. But why did they beat Clemson? They beat Clemson because they forced turnovers. They forced so many fumbles, some of which were just like bad offensive plays. But their defense is good. Their defense is not bad. Riley Leonard, their quarterback, is competent and mobile. Uh, so if, if you're interested in this game, 18.5 points is a lot for what would be a couple years ago, probably the worst game that you could turn on your TV and watch. But that's just not the case with the way Duke's playing right now, especially at home and already one of the best wins in, the, in college football year. But I would look at the under 48.5 here. I, I feel confident there because I, I think Northwestern – I think Northwestern can, can – I don't want to say their defense is going to allow massive big plays, but we know their offense isn't going to generate big plays, especially against a team like Duke, who does have a good defense. And Duke also, they do run a more high-paced offense, but they're not going for the deep bombs. They're, they're, they're running the ball, and they're running the, the quick RPO passes. So the under 48.5 there could be a play. I'm looking at this Penn State game as well. They're a 14-point favorite going to Illinois – and I'm not sure if that's an overreaction line off week two, considering Illinois just got beat down by Kansas. You know, Penn State didn't play anybody. Obviously, FCS the opponent in Delaware put up 63 points. But I think this is a game, again, if Penn State, I said this last week or or the week before, I can't remember, but if Penn State's going to be that national championship team, they got to go in and take control of a game like this. And they could do that really on both sides of the ball with how good the defense has played and how dominant their rushing attack is as well with their two-headed monster. So... Penn State minus 14 is an interesting play. I would stay away from the total only because Penn State has the ability to put up as many points as possible. You know, they could score 40 on their own. So it's only 48 and a half. So I would stay away from that one unless you're really confident that, you know, they're just going to really shut down Illinois and win that game, you know, 35-10, something like that. But I think Penn State to win that game by 14, again, if it stays at 14, you could get it on that touchdown number. I think that's an interesting play as well. Yeah. And one other game, I don't know if I feel comfortable taking it, but if you told me that Colorado, 
week three would be favored by over three scores against Colorado State. And last year, I believe this was the game that decided which team in Colorado would get the first win of the 2022 season. They're, they're favored by 22 and a half at home. And I think college game day is going there. I think Colorado proved that the stage, they are there, they can handle the bright lights in the big stage and when expectations are high because they handled business against Nebraska. Now, Jeff Sims and that team just is not good. That's for sure about Nebraska. Uh, he is, he leads the, I think he has the most turnovers in the Power Five. He has like almost 40 now which is shocking because I would have expected that to have been a Rutgers quarterback, but that's probably like across the three that played last year. Right. <laughs> but like I, I, there's, they're just, they're, their skill positions are so good in Colorado. That, and Shador Sanders has been so good as a quarterback. I don't know what the, I don't know what the lot, I know that they covered by him. They definitely covered against Nebraska. Just don't remember what the margin of victory was, but Colorado state's definitely not a good team, but, you know, 22 and a half points. It's just such a large jump. They went, what? I don't remember what it was. 20 points against uh, on the road at TCU and then a two and a half point favorite against Nebraska. And now they're up to 22 and a half point favorites. That is just, that doesn't happen. Like the, we haven't seen this before where a team has just completely changed, like from, from top to bottom, completely changed. And you know the fans are going to show up. So I guess I'm talking myself into Colorado minus 22 and a half. Yeah, it sounds like it. You know, if, if you had to make a pick, it sounds like you're leaning Colorado in that one. I think their team total is going to be an interesting one too because they could score 40 in that game. And you mentioned at the top of this segment, really ugly looking week. A lot of big spreads. Colorado's one of them. You look at Oregon's a 38-point favorite over Hawaii off island. If you can trust Oregon to win that game by 40, you're definitely not betting Hawaii. So if there's a side nap, Texas coming off the win against Alabama's a 29 point favorite against Wyoming. Clemson's a 20 plus point favorite. There's a lot of ugly games this week, so yeah. it'll be interesting. But one we do get the rivalries back between Pittsburgh and West Virginia. That was a great game yeah. last week, uh, last yeah. year, I should say. Roll with the home team. Right now, it's at a point I see. So that game is basically a pick 'em. If if I'm in that matchup, I'm rolling with the home team. 7:30 ABC. You know, West Virginia going to be going nuts, single low country roads. Take West Virginia in that one and, and, you know, go with the crowd. That's a fun game to bet. Is Phil Jerkovich is at Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. yeah. He so he, he's, I don't know. I don't know who he paid or what he did to get the hype that he got. Transferring from Notre Dame to Boston College and now Boston College to Pittsburgh. I, if this guy ends up in the, in the NFL, I'm going to, I'm going to, stop watching football because he's just not that guy. He really is just not that guy in my opinion. No. Obviously he and hasn't been on he Boston, Boston college was not good when he was there, but he was getting this praise that he was this prototype NFL quarterback. Maybe he is, but I haven't seen it. And then in Pittsburgh, I guess fans are very upset with him because I believe they lost this past weekend. And he was like, if you're a grown ass man booing a college player, like you need to reevaluate your life. Like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, you're talking crap about your own fans. Like, you're the one that's playing poorly. Listen to them. Maybe your coach isn't telling you that. But it, it, after you said go with the home team, like, and West Virginia did not look like crap against uh, Penn State week one. I mean, no, they're, they're they're in the, there isn't a tougher place to play week one on the road in a sold-out stadium. Like, that is they, – and they fought. They fought. They, they clearly lost the game, but – you know, they would have covered if James Franklin just wasn't a jerk. So I'm with you there. I like the minus one and a half there. That, that makes me feel good, especially a heated rivalry, like a true, not 
maybe not so heated anymore, but when they were in the Big East, teams that hated each other. Only a couple more on my radar here. Not too many left before we get into our five picks, but one of them I think is going to be interesting is Washington going to East Lansing. They're a 16-point favorite against Michigan State. Washington's putting up a ton of points. They're a top-10 team. Michael Penix looks legit once again. East Lansing's not an easy place to play, but this Michigan State team is not the one we've seen in the past. And with everything that's going on there, you know, what's the motivation of this team? Are they going to rally around everything, or are they just going to kind of lie down? Again, they don't have a ton of talent to begin with, especially compared to a team like Washington. So that's going to be an interesting one to me. I think I think if they come in explosive like they've been, Washington, you know, has the ability to win this game by 20. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm curious. Again, like you said, it's, it is not an easy place to play. That's 100% true. But if you're a fan, like, I I don't know. I'm curious how this news impacts you, how it impacts your fanship. Like, do you, do you go out? And I'm sure the students will be there. That's just that's just what happens in college towns. You go to the games. But I'm curious if that's going to be as much as a factor as it has been in the past. Now, I don't know if Michigan State's defense is that great, but their quarterback, I'm forgetting his first name, last name Kim. Is it Noah Kim? Noah Kim, yeah. Noah Kim. He's looked very good. He's looked solid as a quarterback. Um, their running back, I think, is possibly leading the Big Ten in rushing. So they've always had a good offense, it seems, but I don't think their defense is going to be able to stop many teams, which is why I'm kind of interested in the Washington's team total over 37.5 because Washington can score points and will score points. Michael Penix is great. The receivers they have are great. And they just think Washington, I think, a lot of points. And they play good defense. But, you know, it's, it's just a team. It, it, this is one of those lines where, if Mel Tucker's there, I don't know how much it changes. But if you told me it would be a 14-point favorite versus 16.5 to me, that there's a big difference there. So, And I don't think that it hasn't moved much since it's opened up. So curious what happens there. But I, I do like Washington in this game, but 16.5 points is certainly a lot. That's just the theme of so many games this week. Again, Bama's a 32-point favorite this week in the cupcake game against South Florida on the road. Oklahoma, the same thing. Ohio State's a 30-point favorite against Western Kentucky. A lot of ugly games this week. This is a, not a great slate, but... No. At least you get I rough. think we're going we're gonna to be treated, though, I think, as the season progresses. And the worst part is, though, some of the best games that are happening, and they're not happening this week, but will be happening, is in the Pac-12. There's some really great teams in the Pac-12. But they're either going to be on too late, or we're not going to be able to watch it because it's on the Pac-12 network lost in the ether. So it's it's just... It's unfortunate, I would say. But at the same time, like, pay attention to the Pac-12 because it's a good conference this year. Yeah, I mean, the plan for Rutgers, it seems pretty simple this week, right? If you're a fan, go and go tailgate, sit outside all afternoon. You get Rutgers at 3.30, and then you go home and watch either Florida and Tennessee or turn on that West Virginia pit game that we talked about a little bit because those are the games at 7 and 7.30. And by the time kick, by the time the night games come, it never mattered to me what was on. The Hawaii midnight kickoff was always my favorite game yeah. back in college. Uh, but then 10, uh, 10 o'clock, you can watch Colorado. So plenty going that's, on over the, that's what over I'm the excited course of the for. day. And yeah. um, 10.30, Kansas. Don't sleep on Kansas. I've, I started no. I started jumping on the bandwagon last year. I'm back on it this year with Jalen Daniels. But same thing. They're minus 28 this week. Four touchdown favorite on the road against Nevada. That's an interesting – now that I even say it out loud, that's an interesting <laughs> pick too because that Nevada team is not not very good. So – once again, I'll be I'll be the one at the wedding this week. So by the time <laughs> by the time ten thirty rolls around, the reception's going to be ending. So after might, party bets, there you go. Absolutely, that might be enough for me to bet on Kansas in that game. But 
Let's uh, let's jump into our five picks plus Rutgers. I'll let you start. Uh, you want to do Rutgers last? We'll go Rutgers last. Yeah, sure. We'll yeah, I'm going to go with my first pick being Florida State first half line minus thirteen and a half. I I think that they could cover outright, but I'm just so impressed with the way the teams performed. Boston College has been very very bad that I think it could be a twenty one nothing game in the first quarter, which leaves us some wiggle room for Boston College to score some points in the second quarter. But I'm going to go with FSU minus thirteen and a half in the first half. Yeah, mine, I touched on it briefly before. I'm going to take Memphis minus 14. I I don't think Navy can score a ton of points. I think Memphis is going to try to. Makes me feel good that this game's in Memphis. I, I hope it's not a square pick, just basing it off how bad Navy's looked. And sure. Memphis has played a couple cupcakes, but two touchdowns, as long as it stays at 14, which it should. Again, we're taping this on a Wednesday, so lines can move. But I got it at 14 now, so I'll take those two scores there. Yeah, my next one, I'll go with... Uh... The Northwestern at Duke under 48 and a half for the reasons I outlined earlier. I just think that Duke has a good defense. I don't think they're going to be, I think Northwestern's defense can, you know, force them to punt a couple of times, but I'm not expecting their offense to score a lot of points. And if they do, then we are just wrong about Northwestern, which I don't think we are. So under 48 and a half in that game. I'll stick with an under as well. I'm going to take the Iowa State, Ohio under 42 and a half. We saw how Iowa performed against a really good defense against Iowa, only scoring 13 points. Of course, Ohio doesn't have one of the best defenses in the country like Iowa has, but two offenses that aren't high-flying, I think they like to they'll run the ball, they'll you know slow the game down a little bit, and Iowa State's going to win this game, but I think they do it in a low-scoring battle. Iowa's, Ohio might not score you know, 17 points in this game. They might score 10 to, 10 to 14 points. So that's what I'll be looking for there. Yeah, I, I'm going to stick with my gut when I mentioned Washington. I'm going to – it's a lot of points. I just want – before I do that, I want to see what they scored last week. Husky's football, 43 and 56. All right, yeah, I'm going to go with Washington's team total over – 37 and a half on the road against Michigan State. I think that Michael Penix is going to throw some nice deep balls, get the score up nice, and I don't know if they're going to cover that, but they could get to 40 points, I think, no question. I'm going to kind of piggyback in a way off of that pick, and we talked about this game before. If they're going to score over 37 and a half, score 40 points, they're going to cover the 16. So while you're on the team total, I'm going to take the Washington minus 16 against the a team in turmoil right now in Michigan State. And then I, I took an under. Let me take an over. I'll go with the uh, Houston. Uh, what was it? I lost the game. Houston. Uh, where is it? Sorry. I lost I the TCU at Houston over there 63 and a half. I don't know if I've taken an over this year. It makes me a little worried. No, no, I did the the, the Wisconsin game, but yeah. this is a much higher one, 63 and a half. But again, I think these two teams don't have very good defenses. So hopefully it's just your your classic. Well, this is, are these two big 12 teams now? Houston in the big 12? I think so. So yeah, that, I think the, give me a classic big 12 score where it's like 40 to 30. Give me that. Do we have a team total yet for Colorado? Is that number out there? Uh, let me see. Again, I know it's at home, right? So, yeah, yeah 41 and a half. 41, wow. Yeah, I'm seeing the to- the game over is 60 and a half. They're a 23-point favorite. 
41 and a half. That's a lot. You know, what? I don't know anything about Colorado State, but I don't. This was a team that was just as bad as Colorado last year. Like, are they really going to score? Let's see. Their team total is oh, 17 and a half. But, like, I don't even think Nebraska scored more than 17 points. Like, yeah, it just I'm seems gonna, strange. I'm going to take that f- team total of 41 and a half. Okay. For the for that reason, I don't know if Colorado State can score, so the game might make me a little nervous. The turn the Shadur Sanders is a pro, in my opinion. Yep. He's got the arm talent. And Deion Sanders seems like a team that um a guy that's gonna really keep his foot on the gas. They're gonna want to score some points in this game, especially the in state rivalry. Definitely. Uh do we do five and Rutgers or is the fifth including Rutgers? Five and Rutgers? We'll do five and Rutgers, yeah. Okay. Six total. Um hmm. I know we talked about a lot of these games. What's going to catch my eye here? I know that I was looking. I kind of want to ride with Colorado. <laughs> I got I I Everyone's on board early. Colorado State football. What what have they done this year? Oh, gosh. Clearly nothing good. Well, in case you were wondering, they started. The, oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's last year. They've only played one game this year. That's weird. Dead anyway, they lost to the Washington State fifty to twenty-four. So that's not good. Screw it. Give me Colorado minus twenty-two and a half. Give it. Give, I want them. <laughs> Everybody's on the bandwagon early. I mean, they've showed it. The offense, the offense looks legitimate, and they're playing a little defense. So when you, but like you just, what people need to understand though is Travis Hunter was the former number one player in the country, ready to go to Florida State, follows Dion to Jackson State. And then you have your son Shador Sanders, who somehow is playing better at the you know the FBF. Would you say the Power Five level than he was uh, at Jackson State? He's literally right. playing better, arguably the Heisman favorite right now. It's just so crazy. And then you have Dion on the sideline. He knows what he's doing. And there's so many guys on offense, and their defense also played really well uh, against Nebraska. Like up front, I was worried that Nebraska was going to be able to run the ball. They weren't. They they weren't able to. I mean, Jeff Sims had a long touchdown run, but that happens. But they just have played so well. They have a swagger about them that's unmatched, and it's a home game. Uh, obviously, it's a little bit different because it's Colorado versus Colorado in a sense, but I'm expecting there to be way less Colorado State fans at this game than there were Nebraska fans because Nebraska fans will go to any game regardless of how good their team is. So I'm expecting the home field advantage to have a good impact there. So, yeah, Colorado 22 and a half. Let's ride. And my last one, we talked about it again. I'm going to take West Virginia at home there. Can't believe in Phil Jerkovich, especially on the road. This is a big rivalry. I'm glad that it's back. It was a fun game last year. Should be fun this year. Again, the spread's only a point, but I'm going to ride with the home team there. Now, the fact that it's only a point makes me a little nervous because that means maybe they think Pittsburgh's a little bit of the better team. You know, they, That means that they would be favored probably by two, two and a half, maybe on their home field. It's typically how home field works, usually three points or so gives them that advantage, but the home team, that could mean a lot. So West Virginia minus one. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I was teetering on that, but I was like, I know that we, I think we were on the same pick. I kind of want to swap out. No, no, no. That'll be your pick. That'll be, we won't have a duo pick this year, but, uh, or this week, but I do like that pick. If, if, if we were doing six, I would go with that. But at that point, I'm, I'm probably pressing my luck too much. And we got the last one, of course, going to be the Rutgers game. They're right now they're minus seven. That total I'm seeing is sitting at thirty nine and a half. Yeah, 
I don't want to bet the under there because that means I'm going to be watching not a fun game live. Like that's just not that's obviously it shouldn't be betting with my heart. It should be betting with my head. Um, geez, seven points is a lot, but I'm just I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna do it now. I. I I almost feel so. One thing I was looking at was the first half under or first half. Ooh, maybe the first half. I don't know what if they have a first half under posted. Let me let me just see real quick because maybe that could be a play. Because I mean, Rutgers just look at the game against Temple. If it wasn't for those defensive turnovers setting up the offense with the short field position, like I'm not sure that uh, they get to that point. So the over under for the first half is 20 points. That is not a lot. <laughs> no, not at all. Man, this is tough. And I would be like, oh, Rutgers money line, but that's that's not a pick. Um, uh, all right, I, I, this is going to be... This is a conflicting game in many yeah. ways. I don't feel comfortable under 20 points in the first half, but what I do kind of feel comfortable with is the over 20 points first half. I'm going to go with that. Over 20 points, first half, Rutgers, Virginia Tech. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm thinking, this is what I'm thinking. If Jay Patel can continue to kick long or short field goals, that provides Rutgers with the possibility of scoring on each of their drives. If Rutgers defense doesn't do what they need to do, then Virginia Tech's going to score. So I don't want that to happen, but it could lead into the them scoring points early. So if we can get two touchdowns and two field goals, I'm right there. Uh, I do think that Rutgers is, can, can score two touchdowns though. start off this first half. So we'll see. I mean, it's, I don't feel comfortable about that, but I, seven points is a lot. And I just, I almost don't want to tell people to take that because it's, it's just a lot of points. It's a lot of points, but again, I just probably gave a worse pick to be honest, over 20 points in the first half. I'm not sure we've done that this entire season, uh, but in any case, yeah. Just give me the 20 points in the first half. Very, very conflicting game. For that reason, that seven points does seem like a lot. It feels good that they're that big of a favorite. but And I think Rutgers does win this game outright. But seven points to be confident in that does seem like a lot, even though you don't have the hook there at seven and a half. Also, the total 39 and a half fits into my system, one of my two systems, being in the 30s of a college game and taking an under automatically just because, again, you always trust Vegas. But you get a football player, too, in there, a pick six, you know, a kick return, a fumble. Virginia Tech maybe turning it over in their own zone. We saw E.J. Warner do that, and Rutgers turned it into points. I think that's a tough a tough bet to get behind, to the under there. I'm going to also roll with the first half pick. I'm seeing Rutgers as a three-point favorite in the first half. You mentioned Jay Patel as a weapon. So give me Rutgers minus three in the first half. Maybe they're up by six. Uh, let's switch. I'm riding with you. I don't want the I don't want the twenty points. I want three and a half. I'm with you on that. I'm seeing it at three. Some three. So we'll take three. Yeah, um, three and a quarter. No, yeah. <laughs> we'll take that at three because that's the line I'm seeing on my on my I, book here. I think that, like you said, Jay Patel is going to be a weapon. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be a field goal to end the half. You know, at the buzzer, but. I think if Rutgers could get it within zone, they're going to put points on the board. Maybe they score a touchdown, you know, be up 10-6 at halftime, 10-3, you know, 14-7, something along those lines. Um, 
I like that better than the game because, again, you don't know how it's going to play out in seven. While we're happy that they're a touchdown favorite, seems like a lot to back them given seven in this game. Yeah, I think what I, what I mentioned about Jay Patel is the reason why I think that's a, a safer pick is it. I, I don't want to. Nothing's guaranteed when it comes to college football kicking, but he's just the fifty-one yard field goal was just right down the upright, and then the other kicks. I think there was just one maybe extra point that he kicked that I was like, oh. But he's besides, and the one kick he missed against Northwestern, I think hit the upright. So he's he hasn't went like wide right or wide left, which we've seen in the past from our previous kickers. So I, I agree. I think he's going to be just a, a, a true X factor that fans should, should keep in mind going into these type of games. There you have it. Those are our five picks again, 21 and nine combined, including two and O in Rutgers. If you're listening, hop on. It could be, retire this, early. That's it. This could be the week. We're off to a hot start. Hopefully it lasts 16, 17 weeks, like the whole <laughs> season. But of course we know that never happens. It could end this week. So by going uh, one in five, very humbling. But let's hope that doesn't happen. Again, I will, Matt. No weddings for you this week, but I will take over. I will, <laughs> this will be something I will have to record and watch on Monday. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna have uh, the score with me. But being in this wedding and just the timing of it all, I'll be in the church. We're going from the church to take pictures. The whole, the whole spiel there with the wedding. So unfortunately, I won't be able to watch live, but. I'll definitely have this game taped so I can watch it on either Sunday night or Monday, too, for our preview, um, our recap, I should say. But it'll definitely be an interesting one. I'll be keeping up with the scores for sure when I'm at the reception. Yeah, best of luck. I, I mean, I wrote an article about what you can do to watch it. They're, I've laid it out for you. The framework is there. Just follow the list. Uh, dude, the worst part about it is the timing. Like, this game starts at 3.30. The church is at 3. and. Uh. We, we're going right from the church. What's well, the killer is that I'm in the wedding when it comes to Rutgers, oh, you know? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Because you're forgot. going there after, but I got the church right to pictures and then obviously everything else that comes with it. So the the timing of it, if it was a night game, probably could have squeezed it in or obviously the noon kickoff, I would have been golden. But this game, just bad timing when it comes to this one. But either way, we'll have I'll have the score updates. I'll know the result. And then got to watch the film for the pre, uh, recap that we do for Tuesday. Yeah. Well, best of luck. I'll be thinking about you, but you know, YouTube TV, if you don't have it already, that's what, that's what I recommend. Oh, absolutely. That's what I have as well. (laughs) Once again, Banks of the Raritan podcast, everyone out there, enjoy the game this week. Hopefully when we talk to you on Tuesday, we're talking about another victory and a Rutgers team that is three and O on the season going to Ann Arbor. So everyone out there, enjoy the game.